Today on Talk About That, John abandons me at a 5K race and I hold a 20-year grudge about it. Meanwhile, we ponder the moral panic surrounding the drug culture in the 80s and 90s and the resulting fallout. Plus, a conversation on pain and purpose and why some conflict is actually good. Today's episode is not sponsored by Pepsi. Are we okay? It's go time. It's another Monday, another talk about that. I'm John here with Johnny. Hey, guys. And it's your favorite day of the week, bro. It's not, isn't it? Well, I mean, we're recording this on a Thursday. Yeah, and I don't, I'm a little upset about what you've I don't wrote. mean to, I don't want to let the audience behind the curtain, though. Yeah. But sometimes we have to do that because what if some gigantic news story happens like it's happened to us over the years where it looks like we just didn't address the elephant <laughs> in the room? Right. Like that time that elephant came into the room. <laughs> like that time. I want that to be like the news story. Like that time those elephants raided the Capitol <laughs> while we were recording. <laughs> And we didn't know it was happening, so we had to like have a whole other episode. By the way, we know this happened now. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> so it's when I have to like come. We on took responsibility for it. Have to record like the public service announcement. Yeah, like people want to hear from us. It's so right. it's like kind of presumptive because anyway. We know you're waiting on you're our gonna, take. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we know that we were your source for breaking news. You don't know what to think, but we're, we're going to tell you what we think, <laughs> and now you'll know. I'm sorry. I guys. do wonder how many elephants. Yeah. Could be the headline. That we miss. Like, so, I want I want a story where what yeah. I write in the headline is. There was a guy uh, that had a one-liner last night I was listening to, and he said, uh, I want to address the elephant in the room is something I like to say to my friends who are on shrooms. <laughs> Which is a really funny ending <laughs> to that joke. Yeah. But we're not, we're not advocating drug use. No. It's just a, dr- it's just a, it's a joke. No. But if someone was on shrooms, they might think... Right. There was a real elf in the room if you gave them some kind of verbal cue. And that's why that's a funny joke. I got it. Don't use drugs, kids. <laughs> stay in school. Stay in school, kids. Uh, <sighs> Do you think the stay in school thing worked? Do you think people, more people stay? Is there, are there, we have data from that because we know the D.A.R.E. program was a miserable failure, right? We right. have like like verifiable data that it was a joke and it did not work and it just kind of weird. It made this weird boogeyman out of drug culture like the after school specials did and it like caused you know mass incarceration it was the whole mess that was tied up with the war on drugs but do we know if the stay in school thing worked well first of all i have problems with the control element of saying the dare program didn't work because what is working yeah what's your definition of it worked so that is that it kept well, kids i'm not, saying we just, I'm not one of those people drugs. that's like just legalize <clears throat> everything and like i'm not that guy either my point is though maybe it stopped a lot of people that you don't, you know, Johnny, you can't measure what didn't happen. Well, I think, but there are studies that really can show success sure. failure from some of these models. Like, uh, for instance, there was a study that showed a 50-year model of trickle-down economics. Right. And it showed that basically it's, it really is voodoo economics. It doesn't work. Well, like that, rich people that get money, the idea that they'll just be like, well, now they'll give all their employees raises. Well, we know now that's not true. 50 years down the road, we've done studies, and sure. it shows that rich people just go hoard their money. They pile it up. I mean, that's I know that's what you do. Right. Um, <laughs> I wish. I'm a spender. I get like a release from spending. You know? Yeah. It's, I think that's what Amazon's all about. It's like it's like uh, retail therapy is a real thing. It's not just from... Oh, there's no doubt. It's like a thing of like, I'm bored or I'm bummed out. Let's just... Even if I just buy guitar strings, I get like a little bit of a, all right, well, I took care of that. And you feel like this little 
yeah, it's endorphin, like an endorphin rush. Yeah. Dopamine. Something's yeah, happening. Something happened. But see, the trickle down economics thing has a control. Yeah. I mean, we can measure whether or not the economy grew. So what you're saying is stagnated. we don't know how bad the drug thing would have been without yeah. there? Is what, what if you're it would have been like an entire almost zombie like drug population without that? Without, I don't th- I don't without, think that was. Without Nancy Reagan going on different strokes and if you saying just say no to right. Gary Coleman. What if like everybody's parents would have also become druggies because there yeah. wasn't some stigma for it? Like I don't think that's what happened. Well, I'm, I'm just creating this. I'm definitely utopian. not trying to come off like Timothy Leary where I'm just like tune in, drop out. Like I'm not like pro drug culture. I'm just I'm interested by the idea that there was such a moral panic around right. what could be drug culture. The way we grew up was yeah. like we talked about it before that we thought we were going to be offered drugs around every street corner because right. of after school specials, and it just never happened. And I'm not saying I'm that still didn't happen. waiting. I'm not it. saying yeah. that. Yeah, please. <laughs> you have to go to church for it. They have like the purses that shake like maracas. <laughs> you need something, baby. Anyway, that's the that's what we, we need an after school special about that lady. That's kind of like eight Vicodin, you know, for some reason, but uh, from an old back injury. But I don't I don't know the answer. But I'm just saying, like, I'm interested by moral panics fascinate me because it just feels like we decide what to be upset about. Yeah. And then we focus on that and then we decide what to minimize. Like I was thinking about it on the way here. Like now you've got people freaking out about like CRT or caravans to the border or whatever the new thing is. Right. But they'll also minimize what they want to minimize. So like there's a January 6th commission that wants to investigate like what who knew what when they knew it. And people want to like stifle that. This is nothing. You're making a mountain out of a molehill. Right. But meanwhile, their their molehill, they'll be glad to like making a mountain they, they don't mind that so and i think we all have that issue but i do think us growing up drugs was that thing that we thought like drugs are bad and people who do drugs are bad yeah it was like unequivocal you know don't do drugs you're a bad person if you do drugs it was no there was no nuance to it there right. was no and so it created a generation of people who have very like weird attitudes about drug culture or, or or drug dependence even like if somebody has an addictive personality we have a different like um we don't have as much grace for that person sometimes absolutely and it certainly had a religious side to it so i'm writing down an idea from what you said that's one one, gonna, one, one man's <laughs> one man's mountain it's another man's molehill okay <laughs> like you know john's gonna tweet that later it's gonna it's gonna it. get seven retweets and four <laughs> likes <laughs> I was thinking last week. All my favorite jokes are the ones you discard. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know why I can't get traction on this. Hill. Uh, well, it's weird because I'll, and I'll talk with other comedians about it too. If you have an idea and you go, "This is going to set the internet on fire," that's the one that will not go anywhere. Ever. It's the dumb thing you threw away that you thought, "I'll just throw this out there." It's stupid. That's the one that people go, "Oh, yeah." It's weird. If you love it. It's probably not for masking because part of that's me. I think I have a darker sense of humor. So if I think something's really funny, there's probably something wrong with it as far as for mass consumption. Right. I need to kind of dumb it down a little bit for it to be more broadly accepted. Well, absolutely. And back to your original question. I mean, tell me what drugs you're on. Uh, I was like, Johnny, how many drugs did you take before <laughs> you came in here today? No, I just I think that it absolutely it assigned character to behavior, mm-hmm. which is something we do yeah. a lot. And we talk about that in recovery ministry a lot. Like, how much do you instinctively assign behavior to character in a way that makes someone worse than you? Um, that was probably an eye op- That was before recovery. That was an eye-opening part of, yeah. of my change was going, oh, I really do. I wouldn't say that I do, but I treat 
the especially the substance abuse addict as just an example because we know people everyone knows someone that okay that's a lesser person yeah i don't i would never say it but i treat them in my mind as a lesser person or that more importantly that whatever my um thing is is of lesser severity right it's less shameful and it could have it has a the reason for that i believe is as a different set of consequences in your earthly life yeah so um, this is not an all sins are the same kind of thing. That's that's I don't believe that's theologically correct. I believe what's theologically correct is all of us are equally in need of grace. Like there's no you know that that we've said it before, but it's the whole. If I come on, upon a battlefield, it doesn't really matter how you died. If you died of disease, or you died of a cannonball to the head. Like you're equally dead. Uh, so I believe that to this be is an true. old battle. This is not a modern battle. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing back cannonballs and gang and gangrene. Anyway, but it's a it's a. I just I think that what we do is we want to compare. I mean, that's the whole yeah. point. We want to compare in drug culture. The and I'm also I want to be careful not to be so super. I guess critical of previous generations that were. They were reacting right. to a, a real problem. Yeah, you're right. Uh, there's a yeah. There's kind of a new like Byzantine filter that we look at things through. Like, well, I would have known better. Well, no, you didn't. Right. It's like people how people are behaving now. They like to imagine that they would have marched with Dr. King, but it's yeah. like, well, how are you acting now? Yeah. When black and brown people need you, how are you acting now? You wouldn't have marched with Dr. Like, I don't like that. Yeah. So I agree with you that we we did we didn't know what we didn't know and all we knew is all these drugs are coming over the border and there's now there's gang wars yeah. and it's terrifying and it caused this moral panic and who knows if if we knew then what we know now maybe but we didn't know and so we just overreacted and we because of that we had three strikes you're out we had all this crazy stuff where people were like getting life imprisonments for like three possession of weed convictions right and uh, crazy stuff like that. That's the part of it where I think the war on drugs failed and dare programs uh, added a layer of shame to drug dependency that didn't need to be there. But I think that maybe the heart behind it was good. And so I give them a pass on that. And the fact that like they didn't know what they didn't know. Sure. Well, and by shame, we don't just mean someone's felt shame. We mean someone's uh, approval to give shame. Yeah. We all had that. Mm-hmm. We were given the approval to shame uh, of people we don't know. Right. Because of their problem with no moral tension inside for doing that. So it's okay if I do this. You're a what? You know, you're an X, you're a Y. Um, I think we still have that in every capacity. I don't think that the war on drugs did that to us. I think that's that's a human nature thing. I can point out somebody right now yeah. that I feel superior to. Yeah, it's like they call it the, the othering of someone. Yeah. Like just we we love to put someone in a box. It makes people easier to manage. It's like you put them in bite-sized pieces for yourself. Yeah. And it's a very human thing to do. I feel like it's, it's uh, something I've gotten – better or worse at depending on how you look at it like that's what comedy is comedy boils things down yeah you know all right what's this guy's glitch and you start just how can i say this in three sentences or less yeah but when you do that with people they don't like it (laughs) nobody (laughs) likes to be boiled down we're complex yeah so somebody is not just a drug addiction right someone is not just homeless someone is not just mentally ill they have a very complex story most of the time 
And a lot of times it, it's really, sometimes it's related to choices they've made, and that's it's really hard because then you're like, oh, well, this person obviously made terrible mistakes that they willfully did. Yeah. So now what do I do with that when I can't just like – because you don't just deify someone who has issues too. Right. Be like, oh, well, I'm sure they're just an angel inside. No, there's a lot of people who have real problems, and they've caused those problems. But it's just that thing of when you boil someone down to just a condition or a, a single issue, it's never the whole picture. No, even if you boil them down to something positive. Yeah. I've met plenty of people who you know, are super talented and they don't want to just be known as the funny guy or just right. be known as a musician. Or, or, or think about how many pastors we know that are great speakers and they their character will not be able to sustain them in this role. Yeah. Because they're just a talented, gifted communicator who are also terrible leaders, narcissistic personalities – Jealous, dude. You are naming everything inside of me, <laughs> except the gift except of communication. Dude, I talk good. I'm glad you, you got it. Nailed I can get it. you guys listen with your hearts. Um, it's funny because on Mars Hill, he talks about that the rise and fall of Mars Hill. I forget who the expert was. It might have been Russell Moore uh, on one of the episodes, but he says basically the way we've set up modern church expectation, like. You have to be some level of unhealthy, narcissistic mm-hmm. at, at best, if not like many other things on top of that, in order to want to do it, and yeah. number two, in order to succeed at it. Yeah, it's almost like politics. Yeah. Like if you want the job, I'm immediately suspicious of why should you have this job. Yeah. Like if somebody wants to run for president, I'm like, what's this guy's deal? Yeah. It's like when billionaires run for president, you go, it pays 400000 a year. You're a billionaire. Why do you want this? Uh, no, nothing. Look over there. I just want to run the free world. <laughs> nothing suspicious over here. Well, and again, I've met some people who ran for the right reasons because they didn't want to. It's so funny. Somebody but then by the time government gets a hold of them, it's like Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Yeah. He starts off with this. Um, this is a really old movie you might not even know of, but I'm just saying like Jimmy Stewart's character. He's the honest politician, and he's there long enough to realize this whole thing's corrupt and they try to corrupt him. And he has this huge, the big pivotal scene in the movie is he uh, filibusters for like three days yeah, to, to get this bill passed or whatever. So they don't, I don't remember the whole issue, but basically he stands up to the corrupt people. And that's just, that's what you, that's the, even back in the forties when they made that movie, that's what was considered in Washington. It was like, it's a tough road to hoe. If you're going to go in there yeah. and you're an honest man, you won't be honest long, you yeah. know, they'll get you. It's very interesting. There's that whole someone said something to me yesterday about, you know, we were talking about future and they're almost like, I don't want, I don't want a senior pastor who wants to be a senior pastor. Yeah. Well, that's the whole John Lennon. Didn't John Lennon know it was Andy Warhol? I don't want want to be a club that would have, I want to be a part of a club that would have me as a member. Yeah. Yeah, But it's almost like, uh, you know, you you only want reluctant leaders. There's something about reluctant leaders. Yeah. Go find David in the field and bring him to me. Right. He can beat Goliath. But if the big brother that thinks he's ripped and he's been bench pressing all day like he's probably going to be have problems he'll have other issues see i have so many layers of tension almost inception tension over that issue because i think in my life yeah. i certainly have pride and desire influence i'm not sure why sometimes i've, I've been having that talk with some people <laughs> like why do i want to influence because i don't think it's all altruistic um, yeah but in our world it's hard not to seek to be influential and yeah like i want i want a million people to buy not so black and white. Like I could say yeah. that I want a million people to buy it, and I can say there's a clear cut 
I think. Where can they buy it, John? It's not so black and white book.com. Um, but there's a clear cut gospel, yeah. I think, path in that. And I think it's an, a lot of it really is. I think this is important. Yeah. Like this is important. I think it's said right. in a unique way. But there's also that side. Mm-hmm. Of you know that's a that's a if a million people bought that by the way they haven't okay but if they did like there's also an elevation of me that's going to come with that that I don't fiercely resist mm-hmm. if if and I think every, like who like, well if this is part of I it guess I guess if I have to I'll take the private <laughs> which jet the, which way's the limo <laughs> and so it's it is like this weird and I, and I for me it came I kind of was saying this to my my therapist friend it's like I think for me. A lot of things in life is are about experiences. Yeah. Like and I think that's my seven wing, and I think you have this too. Like one of the reasons I seek out influential people even to connect with is because I want to gain the experience of being with them, of finding out what their life is like, things that I see. Um that can have a real unhealthy side. I used to say I shouldn't want that at all. And now I'm like, I really want experiences because they yeah. they enrich life. Sometimes it's not about just like all the stuff that comes, I mean, let's, let's be honest. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed in life. Yeah. Okay. I'm not the richest guy, you know, or something. I'm not a millionaire, any of those things, but I don't by world standards lack for anything. And I have an abundance for anything that I want. I mean, most of, most of us have that to some, it doesn't mean we don't have to watch a budget or whatever, but it just yeah, means yeah. guys, I mean, you know, it's, it's, we have access to a lot of things. And so it's not really just about, well, if I had a billion dollars, then, there's some of that, but I think for me it's like, yeah, I want the experience of selling a million copies because everyone doesn't get to do that. Yeah. Or I want the experience of going to X place in the world because everyone hasn't been there. you know. And so I don't yeah. know. Well, it's like there used to be uh, – our friend Terry Allen used to say that. He would say like people – most people live their life trying to prove somebody wrong or trying to prove somebody right. Yeah. So like Reggie Dabbs talks about that. Like you're still living your life because of something your mama said or something your daddy did. It's still in your head. It rolls around in your head. Right. And he speaks to high school kids, and and it resonates because it's true. Like yeah. you'll never forget that thing that your mom said or your dad did, and like or them believing in you. That could be a thing, or them not believing in you, and you have I'll prove it, or it becomes a crushing blow that devastates you. To me, it's like this, you talk about the search for relevance. What is it about? Like why does why do people want to have influence? I obviously there's not necessarily all altru- alt- altruism behind it because we we're, we know we're fallen and we and there's all this darkness that can come into that scene. But also, I do think that there's a need to have purpose to our pain. Hmm. Like, I think that's the reason I'm still a Christian is not because I like I realized years ago that Christianity is not a rescue from pain that I was kind of not taught when I grew up, but it was kind of hinted at. Yeah, prosperity gospel hinted at. This is a rescue from pain and into a better life. All you got to do is say the magic words. Once I realized that was not true, it was a real lostness that kind of came into the scene. But what I realize now is it not Christianity is not a rescue from pain, but it gives purpose to pain. Yeah. And so that's almost as good and maybe better yeah. because like there's a perspective that comes from pain and obviously I share painful things from my life in my show. You share painful things from your life in your books and in your in sermons that you give. And now other people can connect with that and they see they see that there's a way out. I think that's the think that's the influence that I'm seeking. I hope that's the, I mean, I know there's other things that go along with it, the trappings of it, 
But I think the influence I'm seeking is connection. I used to think my jokes were like a shield. Like I'll tell this joke like the kid at the lunch table that's going to make the fat joke about himself before you do it. Right. But then I realized like a couple of years in like, oh, I'm trying to sit at the table with them. Like mm-hmm. what I really want is to connect with these people. It's not like a shield. If I'm using my jokes the right way, it's a way to like reach out, not to deflect. So I think that's what we all want is a purpose for the pain that we feel. Yeah. And maybe to that to, to that end, I mean, most people who are influential, there's a story. You know, yeah. For the most part, you, there, there's no one who doesn't have a story. Yeah. And maybe we're trying to connect. I do. And I think as a writer even – because that resonates with me, what you're saying, because I think I am always seeking a connection of story to story. Mm-hmm. Um, how do people in conversations, what do we do? We we gravitate towards those whose story doesn't have to mirror ours, but one, it, it can inspire us and what we immediately want to do. Like anytime I speak to somebody and I share my story of something, if it, if it connects with them, the second thing they do is they share theirs back. Yeah. Immediately. You yeah. do the same thing. If you make someone laugh and they they fancy themselves someone who's funny, they want to share their funny idea back right. with you. And it's a beautiful thing. It yeah. means we've connected regardless of the like you said the trappings of of can I monetize this or make a career out of this or can I gain a title from it? It's true to be on guard for those things. It's a good idea to watch out for like the dark side of yourself. But at the same time, if you let that thing, that fear of that keep you from telling your story because you're like, well, I don't want to fall into the trap of being like now you've just completely neutralized your story. Now your pain has no purpose at all. Like I think pain is, is, um, it's not to be rescued from, but it's also not to be wasted. You know, yeah, like don't waste it. Um, because somebody, I don't know. It's not just because somebody out there needs your story. I think that's kind of a weird thing where you make yourself the hero of your own story. But I don't know. I think sharing is like a huge deal. Like I think you were talking about that. Like when you go to your therapist, you said, and you go into counseling, you go, I'm just mostly talking, you know, but there, there's something about that. Like yeah. having somebody that will really listen is healing. Sure it is. We, it's so rare. Yeah. Well, and I think about, uh, you're going to laugh, I think about Revelation because um, that does exactly where your brain went, I'm sure. You know what? I, I think I see myself as the locust person. and <laughs> I'm the seventh head on the fourth dragon. Um, I think about they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And there is that, gosh, our world's, you, we boil testimony down to some like very yeah. formal right. service time. Thursday it, night at camp. Yeah. Right. But it means you don't have a testimony without pain. Yeah. Like there is no story to tell if there, if there is nothing to redeem. Right. There's no hardship. There's no, I mean, that's, that's writing one one There's a problem. Yeah. You set up a problem, even in a joke. Well, even think about season two of Ted Lasso. Great example. Yeah. They've created this character. And now season two, they've got to create conflict in the character. Yeah. So it's the writing's gotten a little bit weirder and, and yeah. it's not as good. The second season two is nowhere near as good. But part of it's because like you've built this angelic being of this character and now you've got to give him this dark side. Because it's not as interesting. Like if you're a writer, you have to create conflict. Yeah. You can't just have like, oh, and then they got married and lived happily ever after. When Jim and Pam got together, it almost killed the show. Because now you have to... 
well, what are they going to f- – they've been in love and now they're together. Like that, that's a, right. They call it the moonlighting thing because moonlighting moonlighting is when Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard's characters, they were like hot, cold, hot, cold the whole show. And then they got together and literally the show got canceled like episodes after. Like there was nowhere to go. I always tell my wife if we're watching anything, like what are they going to do if they finally put these people together mm-hmm. in season three or whatever? Right. Because it, it has to be good writing to keep going. Yeah. You have to create another kind of tension in the relationship now that's not about whether or not they're going to be together. Yeah. And it's so true. Tension is – tension and pain, like, it's – they're so valuable and powerful, and not just in writing, but, like, in our lives. But uh, the thing I always think of – and I don't know if I've told this story on our podcast, but there was a – there's a, an interview podcast that interviews comics, and there's a comic who was huge in the 80s. During the Cold War, and his name was Yakov Smirnov. He was like this Russian export comic who became huge in the United States. He would do things like talk about how in my country we this, and in your country right. it was very fish out of water comedy, and it was very kind of broad, but it was a huge deal. And he was massive; would do like huge theaters and arenas, and he would speak in front of the president. He would do all these things, and it was kind of we were trying to usher in the era of like what they called perestroika, you know, like uh, brotherhood and friendship between mm-hmm. our two countries. Uh, after the Cold War. But before that, it was like, we got missiles pointed at each other, and here's this guy who's this weird clown, basically, pointing, poking fun at this tension that's there. And he did an interview on a podcast a couple of years ago, and he talked about it. And I knew his story, which was he had been doing a theater show in Branson for the last 10 years that was, like, selling out. He made millions of dollars in Branson, and I was like, because it's kind of where you go to, like, retire and die. Right. Like, busloads of retirees get on the the bus and they go see your show and they pay 30 bucks and they eat dinner and they watch your show so i was like oh this is kind of a sad ending but what's funny is he did this interview and he was talking about growing up and there's kgb speakers in his house like they put propaganda news in your house over these speakers every house had one and growing up and trying to become a stand-up in that era and how weird it was so he said i started doing this comedy and it became huge in the states because there's this tension and i was a release for that tension and when the cold war ended Letterman did a top 10 that night, top 10 things of the Cold War, top 10 results of the Cold War ending, the wall falling, uh, Berlin Wall. And number one was Yakov Smirnov's career is over. And he said, I was on a like sold out tour when that came on. And he goes, I saw it on TV that night. My agent called me. You were just on Letterman. He goes, I watched it. He goes, I laughed. He goes, my career was over in six months. All my dates canceled. The tension was gone. Wow. The the tension that was needed, that he needed to be the poke in the balloon. Mm-hmm. For everybody to exhale. It's okay, guys. We got missiles pointed at each other, but it's okay. Once the missiles aren't pointed at each other, one of us became the victor. It's like just weird now. And so this is the funniest part. The interviewer goes, what did you do? He said, and he didn't know that he'd been in Branson. He goes, I had to go where they didn't know the Cold War was over. (laughs) Wow. And I knew the answer, which was Branson. Wow. So he goes to Branson, Missouri, where it's just like there's still Ruskies and there's still whatever. And he could still live in that weird snow globe, preserved environment. So it's so funny to like think about. But yeah, you need that tension for his art to work. He knew it. So he just went where he knew that tension still existed. Wow. And he was able to thrive for 10 more years. Wow. <laughs> That's huge. <laughs> went where they didn't know it was over. Isn't that weird? But he knew it. He was very aware of it. Like he wasn't like... Oh, and I just happened to fall into this. He was like, where can we go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, either that or the deep south. I mean, I don't know where, you know, where can you think? It's just that thing of 
or some rural area where you're still a, a commodity. It's funny because we talk about we've met people in recovery ministry who become addicted to recovery. Yeah. Because of maybe that tension thing being present that it's like their new um it's their new drug. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm using that right. You know, delicately. But I got to have a meeting, I got to have a, you know, and that's mm-hmm. great if it keeps you from drugs kind of thing, but like it is still a tool. Mm-hmm. It is not an end unto itself. There's a, a, th- a thousand tools. Um, and just that idea, we were, we were talking about yesterday with a book project that I'm, I'm working on. And that is that like I'm never going to overcome this tension, this fallenness, this discontentment. I can only overcome in pockets 24 hours at a time sometimes, Mm -hmm. usually not even the full 24. But that's like the path of redemption. The life, the actual life in Christ is that it's, I I wake up every morning um, and it's back. It might not always be a feeling, but today's, in fact, this Psalm 27, I think it's 27, Johnny. (laughs) I hope so. The Lord is my light, my salvation psalm, okay? Yeah. You guys can go look it up and judge me. shall I fear? Yeah. And if you get down in there and there's there's a line that we used to sing in lots of worship songs. It says, one thing I ask and that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And remember the old song, Better is One Day? Yeah. You know, one thing I ask, I use that in the second verse of that song. And it's it's very like, for a kid, I remember hearing that psalm and songs that say that and they would just depress me it's like i don't want to be in church forever like this is this is not i mean i'm okay with church but forever you know it's like a right and i I read that in the amplified it's actually one of these things i've hung out on for months now because it has impacted me so much and if you read in the amplified it says it's not about being in church or even being in the temple for david it's about it says in parentheses, in prayer, require my presence as your greatest need. Mm-hmm. And man, it is just, that has been, maybe that's not a atom bomb for everybody else. But for me, it was like, and I don't like the word presence, by the way, either, because we recovering Pentecostals, all you hear there is right. get to this feeling We think today. it's something to be summoned or whatever. Right. And there is a thing in scripture where God's presence was felt on the mountain or in the temple or, you know, like I'm not denying that there's not an element to God's presence that is more like a a felt thing in a moment. Um, But I think a better translation or at least another translation that helps me is nearness. I use nearness a lot now. And so if you really zoom back out, it's like, look, the life of brokenness being redeemed is really encapsulated in this phrase. It's every day coming back to the realization where for myself, all the things I'm seeking, I will say being near to God is actually my greatest need today. It's the only place I'm going to be whole. The only place I'm going to find fulfillment. I can find it while I'm doing a hundred other things, but even that search for greatness or influence, that whatever that is inside of, I think, all people to some extent, whether they go after a career on a stage or a church or whatever, 
everybody, like you said, feels a desire to be significant or for their life to yeah. matter. And it's basically, and I think that's also a part of the inherited created nature. Like it's just, it's right. just twisted. God does significant things. God wants his life to matter in the way that he pours it out. He's actually, there's, um, oh, I think this is from Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, but it could be from the Trinity book that I read. I get them, they're both at the same time, but he talks about God's nature is giving, like it's his uncreated nature. And so his significance comes from caring more about you than himself. Mm-hmm. Like he, that's how he, that, that, that's how he is. It's not like what he chooses to do. He chooses to take action from it, but he is that way. So it's his nature to pursue his nature to love, his nature to give grace. Like it's not something he just, oh, I really can't stand Johnny and I'm really ticked off, but this is the right thing to do. Like rightness in him is to naturally say, I, I will forgive, I will restore. And so we're the opposite because we're in the broken place. <laughs> so our natural default, we have this desire to be significant, but our natural default is to look in instead or to build up me instead of others. Um, even if I'm building up others, I, I still have this twisted part that goes, yeah, but this is – then everyone's going to know that I'm a guy who builds up others. Like you can't get out of sort yeah. of this – you know, you meet people, but no one's truly fully altruistic. There is none who who do not turn – like yeah, a sheep, yeah. there's none who don't seek their own way, I think is what Scripture says. We all seek our own way. Not, there's not one. <laughs> so we all have an element of us that does that, even if we're the person out working in Africa, helping someone you know, who never makes a dime off of it. Those are really good works, but you won't purify. You can't purify. I've tried. You can't purify all the areas of your heart through doing all the right things and hope that one day that goes away. You know this story. When I first started in writing, and I don't share this, it's probably the first time publicly I've ever shared this, but when I first started in writing, I was so afraid if I started making money off of writing things about God's kingdom that that was going to be some weird way to peddle the And I was gospel. like, you shouldn't worry about it. <laughs> you're like, you're probably not going to make it's, a ton. This I've read this stuff and... Uh, yeah, you're, you're going to be just <laughs> fine in your day job. <laughs> And I remember like I went to you and to Andrew and to a bunch of people in my life and I prayed for like six months and sought a bunch of counsel and I made this vow. Mm-hmm. And the vow was I will give away half of everything I ever make, at least half of everything I ever make off of writing. <laughs> and the reason was I wanted to take an action that would cut off the greed that exists within me. And and I don't think any of y'all counseled me to do it, but I was so convincing to all of you guys. It's not like I, you could really talk me out of it because yeah. I was Jesus carding you left and right. Like, <laughs> you had literal Jesus cards. <laughs> <laughs> but you make some of those. The God the, card. Pull and the I God did, card. And I did that for a long time. Yeah. And it was when I came, and this is so crazy, I don't think God ever wanted me to make that vow. And I, the deal is it didn't take away my greed. That, 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 that's the whole point of this. Like I could not vow myself or work myself out of the human condition through good things. Like it, you just can't, even if you do them for the right reasons. And I mean, I'm still trying to be a generous guy and all that, but I actually came back to all you guys and said, I've been praying about this. I don't think God desires my sacrifice. It's yeah. really, he desires my obedience. And that's a lot harder. That means I'm going to have to actually every day be 
trying to come near to him. Right, you're not just checking a box. Well, right. I gave my I gave the money that I said I would give God. Get off my back about it. Yeah. I'm a better person than someone who didn't do that. Right. So I get to check that box too. You can say I'm not greedy. You get to you check know? the pious box. You get to check the I, I yep. fulfilled the vow box. Yep. I could say I wrote a book on race and so therefore I can check the box I'm not a racist. Right. It's like that that's what we want, you know, like ooh, I'm safe there. Yeah. And it's like you can't get safe away from the things that are within us through those things. Yeah. I'm going to have to come every day near to the ways of God and that's my greatest need. That's the only place by the way I'm ever at peace fully. It, it when I have ever been at peace, whether it's with my family or not or all those things, it's all through things that God gives when I'm aware that God's giving them. So anyway, just a thought anyway, I'm not Johnny I now give half away to you. And right. that that's was what the I was weird say. twist. It's a, it's a different vow. What I said was, John, that's a dumb vow. Let me give you a better idea. <laughs> the Johnny Fund. Money for people. Money for people. Yeah. So we're running for charity tonight. Me and you. This is why I started. I can't believe you talked. It's now raining and freezing It's outside. raining. Uh, it's been so nice the past three days in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. I played golf yesterday with my buddies. And knowing that today is the day that we've signed up for a 5K race, and it's pouring rain. And yeah. it's a rain or shine deal. Yeah. So we're out there. But you love running the rain. You don't Because do. you do. You talk about, oh, running the <laughs> rain. I think it's a supercharged ionization of my feel. <laughs> People do say that there's something in the atmosphere when you run in the rain. Like there's something for real that wow. is in there. I don't know what it is. One man's rain is another man's yeah. ion. I don't know yeah, what it, it is. But some people swear by that, that there's like a supercharged atmosphere, especially like after a lightning storm, yeah. that there's like energy in the air. Johnny, you're a witch. Yeah. <laughs> Burn <laughs> the witch. But so, yeah, so we're running tonight. I've been, I've been running some, but uh, this will be a, this will be a good challenge for me. Not to finish, but it's just I want to I want to have a good time. Well, I carb loaded today at lunch a little bit. You did. You had some bread with the keto. You did the keto ordering, and then you had the bread too that they brought. This is just, just like the. I feel no- bad saying bring the bread for the table because I'm like, well, John's gonna be tempted by this, and like you don't even you didn't even make eye contact with me. You reached for the bread immediately. Today I did, and the deal is, it's just like the the anti drug campaign. Yeah. We don't know what it would have been right. if I would have ordered all carbs. You know what I'm saying? How bad it all could have been. But I did have these. That's for sure. And then just, I, just say no to wheat and gluten. <laughs> you, well, it's fine. You're going to be good. Well, because now you've carbo-loaded. I remember we did a 5K race one time where we were both running some races together. And then you said to me, <laughs> you remember this? Oh, I know you exactly. You said to me at going. the start line, hey, I know we've been kind of hanging out together. But I'm just going to try to, like, run on ahead. I think um, I'm going to try to get a good time. Basically, you were saying, like, listen, fatty. Uh, this wasn't about you. I've been, I've been, no. wor- I've been working out, and I, you're holding me back. It was kind of <laughs> it a, was nothing like it that. It was kind of like it's a not you, it's me thing, but really no, it was No, it was me. I have never tried to run to, to place. But I think you knew in your heart. But what the, the implication was, Johnny, if I stay with you, I won't be at my no, best. No, the implication is you and I just run for fun together, and you don't care about placing. I want to once out of no, all no, these I runs. I was running as hard as I could, John, <laughs> the whole time. But I just remember that you took off, and oh, I was like, all right, there goes my brave boy. This, this is the most satisfying I was like, story of I, no, your no, life. I was a little heartbroken because I was like, I guess I'm all alone now. <laughs> and I was saying, 
I mean, I was running, but I was hearing myself breathe. But what I was hearing inside was, all by myself, no want to be. And then, I, right as, in the middle of that, when I was a, t- a single tear was coming down, uh-huh. I look across, and who is standing with hands on knees? I didn't stop. <laughs> but I, it might as well have stopped. Well, the deal was, we were running on UT's campus. Yeah. And I was totally ready for a 5K. Yeah. I was not ready for it to be like almost full all bar. straight all right. uphill. Yeah. And so I took off, went mm. fast, and hit about three hills. Yeah. And then I just lost it. It was like, wow, this is not working. So I started slowing down, slowing. It was it was tortoise in the hair, man. Did, like, I, I, did I finish yes, before you? Yes, you passed me. Wow. And guys, isn't that just like our lives? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes you're trying to win a little too hard. You need to stay. Listen. If the disciples had not stayed in within the buddy system, my mom used to always say that, you know, Jesus used the buddy system. He sent the disciples out mm-hmm. in pairs mm-hmm. and uh, that was for safety. So he would always, she would always say, you have your brother because Ralph's a twin and you're very resentful of your twin for the first part of it. Like, I don't know if the twins that always have this connection, like I feel a connection to my brother for sure now in adulthood, but like there was part of our childhood where we got in brutal fights we shared a room and you get bitter of that because you're like he he got his own room my older brother had his own room or like mad that we we have to we want to go to the mall you go with your brother yeah take your brother with you like no i just want to go to the mall i wish i was the only child you're mad (laughs) but i think like yeah so i don't know like that connection of like we need the buddy system and that that, that was as i always had like a buddy and john you didn't have that at the race you took off on your own and then sought your own way. I did. I sought my own way. And like low, like a sheep <sighs> who had gone astray up a hill. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. I, I, all What's I funny can... is I didn't think at all like I need to stop and I didn't like I didn't like revel in it at all. Oh, yes, you did. I didn't. I don't remember being like. <laughs> but I, here's the thing. The st- don't eat my dust, John. But, but you really have. Retold. I was only going like to, you know, a minute. Faster than you. You read. You retelling the story now. These twenty years later, yeah. as if like it was some affront to you. And the idea was that's how I felt. You and I had always run the same pace. I wanted and to just try this. It one felt like, look, Johnny. It's been cool doing these races with you, but I've outgrown you. <laughs> did frankly, not. it felt like I'm in real shape now. I'm going to tell you, I'm not in fat guy shit. <laughs> I'm in. I think I can win this race. That's what I heard you say. I I'm going to win this. Thing. I did not say that. I just wanted to see if I could place. Listen. Johnny, we what, all place. What, it's just a matter of what place is it. What huh? you want that preach? Boy, come on, guys. I got 286 place. I almost, I almost didn't place because I almost didn't finish the race. Mm. Come on now. But the deal is, uh, you may feel that, yeah. but that's not what I was intending. So let's say it like this. If you felt that, regardless of my intention, then yeah. I publicly apologize <laughs> because I don't judge what I, don't. I do by intention. I judge it by impact. Yeah. Therefore, my intentions might have been good, but I impacted my friend yeah. negatively. No, so, I don't. I didn't feel negative about it. You I just <sighs> see, you can't do anything when I repent. You're like, I, I have nothing left to say. How well, do I, I mean, make fun of John yeah, anymore? That's true. I mean, yeah, and I did utterly vanquish you that day too. So, like, what is what's left to really say about it? <laughs> Take that, you son of a! Like, you were just—I don't know, man. The hills got me, bro. The yeah. hills got me. I lifted my eyes unto the hill. And where did your help come from? It didn't come, this uh, it apparently wouldn't come, come from this direction. The Lord's like, look, you're on your own. You took off without Johnny. You know, yeah. and uh, you left your first love. Left, wait, you, that's wait. not. 
<laughs> I sent you out two by two and you went on your own. Uh, yeah. That's, we talked about that last episode, but that whole overlaying a Bible story on everything. I was talking to my buddy, our buddy yeah. Mike Burnett yesterday, and we were talking about how I was like, I can't remember where I left my keys, but I can remember every obscure Bible story that yeah. there is. And then he was like, yeah, you know, guys, when you lose your keys, you know, it's just like, and so we started coming up with which obscure story, and mine was like, yeah, man, then I went out to the creek, and I threw a stick, you know, and the keys floated to the top, because the obscure story the is floating axe the floating axe head. Yeah. And so it, it's so funny, like, we could make a Bible story, Johnny. Well, or the woman who swept the house till she found the coin. Mm. Maybe if you keep your house clean, you wouldn't lose your keys, because that's really what happens. When I lose my keys... yeah. I end up having to like pick up all the laundry and do all the things. But if you'd kept the house clean, the keys would be visible. Come mm-hmm. on now. Come on now. So you clean your house till you find your keys. Yeah. So, yeah. Just like the woman. Is that the only time you clean your house? You're like, Re- well, I think what it really just- means is house cleaning is woman's work. That's, <laughs> oh, that's how I. Yeah. 44 is when I <laughs> that's went our, in. That's our show today. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave it there. Oh, Lord. No. Now, Johnny, now I'm happy, to, the- I'm happy to sweep the house. <sighs> Dude, I do a lot of housework. I do too. Not, I mean, I do the normal amount. We're a team. Oh, we're absolutely a team. She's the, I strong, feel like she's the strongest member of that team. I feel like it's more my work than hers, truthfully. Yeah. Because she does so much. Like, I, we have a whole, if she cooks, I put up the dishes thing or clean up the dishes kind of thing. But Well, it's like the whole generals thing is, is it, it, there's a time and a place for it. But it, when it's become kind of a weird thing and it's a trap is when you see stories where women are like praising their husband for helping out with right. the kids. Babysitting tonight? Yeah, he's on dad duty. You mean parenting his <laughs> children? Like, we're when are you like, ever on mom duty? Yeah, we're, like, right. we're like giving extra credit for someone for being what they're supposed to be. I could I imagine like if my wife tweeted every time she was on mom duty. It would just be a live stream, right? You know, exactly. Right. It's like there was the movie. Uh, I can't remember what it was about, but it was. I can't remember the name of the movie, but it was about the scandal from Twenty One Questions where the guy cheated. And Ralph Fiennes is in it, and uh, John Turturro. Remember this? Quiz show? Quiz show. So in the end, he has to testify before Congress about it, because he basically built NBC and their partners out of this money. And so it became a congressional thing. I don't know how they got involved, but it was like he had to testify. And he just opens up and says, look, I lied, and it it spiraled out of control. And then a couple of these congressmen, they stand up and go, we just applaud your honesty, and you just have been so forthright. And I just want to come out and say that like, this means a lot that you did not, you know, further besmirch your name by withholding and, and further obfuscating the truth. And then this, this other Congressman goes, uh, I think we're giving someone a little bit too much credit for just finally. And after they made thousands of dollars, actually telling the truth. <laughs> and like, he just like roasts the guy. Yeah. Cause after, cause he's just like getting this beaming smile. Like I'm getting off scot free. And this guy finally goes, uh, the bare minimum we should expect of you is just to be honest with us. <laughs> you, you did know? what you should have been doing. Right, you're under that. oath. Right. You know, they're like, oh, he didn't even you know, perjure himself. It's hard in parenting when that happens, when you yeah. know the kid's done the wrong thing. Yeah. And you're praising them for being honest about it. That's true. And you're like, but I expected you to be honest. Right. Yeah, when you praise something, you're almost acting like this is exemplary above yeah. and beyond. Well, it's weird. But if you don't praise that, it, then they don't, you know. Yeah, it's, it's weird to think that the truth could be a way to get out of something. But they already know, they're already learning early on that lying is a way out. Like, the reason people right. lie is because it's a great solution for your problems. Yeah. Like, it works. It's like people, the steroid trials. <sighs> Nobody wants to admit they took steroids, but they also don't want to admit the reason they took steroids is because it extended their career and it made them hit 40 home runs more. Right. Like, 
That's so what like, it did for me. Exactly. <laughs> That's why you're here. That's why people listen to this podcast is because your magnificent baseball career. <laughs> but no, there's like something to that where kids lie their way into trouble and they lie their way out of trouble. So when you like, yeah, you see it on the Brady Bunch where like Bobby tells the truth and his dad goes, you know what? I'm not even going to punish you. Like that's not necessarily how it always works out. Sometimes it's like, I appreciate you telling me the truth and you're grounded for a month. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we do Don't ever both. do that again. There is sometimes I go, look, here's the thing. If she volunteers the truth before anything was found out, yeah, that's the kind of place where I might consider like, okay, we're going to bypass this time because you didn't have to do this. There's something about stuff that is confessed versus stuff that is discovered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Well, they have that like in the in the like a, the drug program with like the NFL. Like if you come to us and say I've got a drug problem, yeah. They have a rule that says they cannot fine or suspend you. Yep. They have to put you in treatment. But if they catch you, right. You know, and you're like if you fail a drug test, they throw the book at you. Yeah. So it's a different vibe, yeah. But it is weird, yeah. It's one of those do you yeah consequences, man. I always tell our Sadie, I'm like, look, these consequences will they're already happening. Yeah, yeah. Like But if you ever let her off the hook for consequences because it was a bigger consequence for, for you. Me. In other words, oh, it was a yeah. more of a pain in the butt for you to ground her or take her phone away because now she's gonna have to be a, a teenager without a phone and you're like, she'll be awful this to will make deal our with. Lives miserable. Right. right. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's a horrible moment that makes me a terrible parent. I can yeah. remember the first time we were I think we were like going we're grounding with, ourselves. It is. It's like <laughs> well, I have to, we have to all sit here and suffer. I remember like one night we were supposed to go to a movie and I wanted to see the movie too. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. And it was like, what I should have done is said, we're not going to this movie. I'm mm-hmm. like, well. <laughs> <laughs> it is opening weekend. <laughs> see There'll this. be spoilers on the internet by the oh, time just, if I wait a week. Gosh, we're probably just going to watch TV anyway with her if we stay home. <laughs> but you just come to all, and, and you're just like, it is, I don't know. I'm probably a super lazy parent. Oh, I'm gosh. just banking on Grace. Yeah. Um, love her really well. Tell her I love her. Like, dude, there's so much stuff in parenting that I, my brain thinks of a hundred things to say all the time to everything that she does and says. Mm-hmm. And I say at this point in my life, maybe 1%. Right. And that's really new for me. You're, just just, ta- you're flying by the seat of your pants. I Best just sit guess. here like, well, I don't want to. Yeah. Like we were, oh, I can't remember what it was. We were getting out of the car this morning. Or I was, we were about to get out of the car. And I said something spiritual. Like. Yeah. Like what I always say to her is like, hey, don't forget, because you know the ancients called them breath prayers. You know, uh-huh. I'm trying to get my kids like, hey, just remember to say your breath prayers today. Like, just you know, hey, God, thanks for the, you know, this food. Hey, God, help me on this test. Like, just you know, quick things. Hey, you know, things that I, you know, help me with this drama, whatever you know. And whatever I said triggered in her mind some other completely alternate thought, mm-hmm. and it was a joke. And like, she completely did not hear anything I said. Yeah, but heard it enough to start. And so my whole thought process is I could be like, hey, you know, I was just talking to you about something important with right. Jesus. You know, yeah. like it, it's so you want to. That's what good parents do. Yeah. Good you parents. shift gears and go into Mike Brady mode. Right. Uh, hey, listen. Here's the teachable moment here, Sadie. Listen, we're respectful. You get out one day, you're like, hey, let's have a seat here. Yeah. Let's wrap. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about it. Hey, let's unpack. I'm not here to come down on you. <laughs> Quote, unquote. <laughs> but it's a, like, I, yeah. you, you just go, that's not real. Uh, for me, it's not been real life up to yeah. now, even though I think that way. It's like, I will do in my mind, this is, and maybe I'm overthinking this. 
Because I see parents who do that, and they're just like, well, yeah. Hey, no, we were talking about an important thing, and you got distracted, and so this isn't, you know. I feel like if I do that, all I do is I just describe more negative thought processes that we can't just joke when God was being discussed. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, guys, God's pretty funny. Where do you think you got it? Yeah. You know, like there's nothing that we have that is right. not from him. So I don't want to put – I don't want to inadvertently – tie these two things together in a way like right. every time we talk about God, you have to be serious. Every time we talk about God, you have to pay attention all the way. Like, hey, God's with you. Trust him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the point. And we'll talk. Maybe I'll tell you about breath prayers tomorrow. You know what I'm Like, I don't have to get it all done today. And so, yeah, I thought that was actually a big moment for me. Like, well, I, I did not address that. I did not have a youth pastor sit all the kids down in the parking lot that's circle. A, dude, like that's, used to. You've come so far, John. Guys, stretch your hands towards your phone. Yeah, that's probably what they're listening on. <laughs> we, you know, we hope that you have been listening today to this episode, and possibly it has motivated you to listen to other episodes. Johnny, if someone wanted to do that, where they, would they even go? They should go to talkaboutthatpodcast.com, where they, we have lots of archived episodes. You can also leave a review. Uh, five star, we hope. But, you know, whatever. Vote your conscience. I'm not counting on it. Leave a review, and that helps other people find the show. It does. Yeah. And if you want to go to our Patreon, kick in a few shekels, that's fine too. No pressure. We know it's a tough time for some people. That's yeah. all good. We're happy to make the content, but it does help us make more fun things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, looking at some exciting things, we actually have reached out to some exciting guests that we can't promote, but we yeah. may, hopefully next year we're going to have them on. And um, until that's settled, we can't. So just be excited to know that we're continually yeah, we're, we're thinking. In the talk show world, we call it efforting. We're efforting people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. We're currently efforting uh, big guests, and you know, if sometimes effort fails, as we know, and that's usable <laughs> data. Listen, yeah, uh, failure is an option. I have. <laughs> <laughs> boy, here's hoping. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, um, yeah. You should check out Johnny. All of his comedy this is pretty exciting stuff. Uh, you can go to johnnyw.com. You can check him out on Dry Bar, and if you leave reviews there. It really helps them out. Uh, it does help me out. And uh, book me to come to your city. I'm uh, booking out for 2022. Lots of cool places. If you want me to come to your city, talk to your pastor, talk to your organization. If you have a a charity that uh, is looking for something like a fundraiser, I do lots of fundraiser events. If you have a corporation that does company parties, I do those too. Yeah. Go to notsoblackandwhitebook.com and order John's book and leave a review for that for sure. That helps other people find the book and it helps the sales of the book. Yeah, it really does. Uh, here's the deal. If you don't have time to write a review, you can just go leave a rating. And that, yeah. would, that would be so helpful if everybody on this podcast right now God, went to Amazon. Guys, if we all did it. And said, yeah, I liked this book. Man, could you imagine the impact? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, go do that for me right now. It would be a huge favor. I appreciate that. Um, that's at Amazon. You dot, can find it. Dot dot com. <laughs> maybe, maybe you know it. You have, <laughs> eight packages on, it. you have eight packages on your doorstep. Now you don't know what it is. <laughs> Probably by just me saying this, Amazon is going to bring this up on your phone on its own yeah, right true. now. That's so, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, uh, man, we'll give you an update on the big 5K in the rain at night in the cold. And uh, we'll I get- think we should just p- put this down to like, let's see who can win. Let's let's no. make it a foot race to the finish. Johnny, I'm not doing you don't that wanna- ever again. I don't care about placing after that one time. It is taught this- me my lesson. But it's not. A, it's, I just there's no, run, there's I, nothing wrong with a competitive spirit. I just want to run with my friend. What if it drives us to excel? I don't want to excel anymore. I just want to eat a bread, a loaf of bread at lunch and not be judged. That's All right. <laughs> actually, like, I don't care I if you judge the, or not. I think that's the plot of Les Mis. But, <laughs> and John stole that bread. <laughs> 
That's great. Hey, guys, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes. We'll see you next week on Talk About That. This is Chris Christensen, and back in 2006, I started a simple project, a project to try and introduce more people to the Bible through Bible study called the Bible Study Podcast. It's a simple name and a simple idea. Each week, every week, we study one chapter of the Bible, talk about what it says and what that might mean for us today. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for the Bible Study Podcast on your favorite podcast app.